Sharafi Autobiography Paging Through Stories of Your Favorite Athletes As I mentioned earlier today, in fact, around about an hour ago, we recorded an interview with the very famous Dr. Ali Bakr, former South African captain in Test Match Cricket, captain decided in, in four Test Matches in a whitewash series against Australia in 1970. Also went on to be one of the top administrators of the game, helping South Africa to readmission back into world cricket. I began my interview by asking Dr. Bacher about the fact that when he captained the side against South African side against Australia in 1970 in that 4-0 series victory, was cricket in many ways a little bit of a simpler game in those days? Well, I wouldn't say it was more simpler. I mean, if you look at the composition of our team then, uh, batsmen like Lee Irvin, Barry Richards, uh, Grant Pollock were as good as any of the top players in world cricket today. Our bowlers that we have, the fast bowlers, Peter Pollock, Mike Proctor, Tiger Lance, Eddie Barlow, they were as good then as you see in world cricket today. The only aspect where uh, cricket has improved, in my opinion, is in fielding. You yes. know, in my time, uh, generally speaking, the fast bowlers were on the boundary, and you could probably get two to them if you hit it down the fine leg. Not today. I mean, every uh, fielder today, every bowler, batsman, are brilliant fielders. So that's the way they have improved. But nobody must tell me that uh, the cricket standard today. Mm. Is better than when I played in 1970. That's absolutely rubbish. I don't think anybody's doubting that uh, for a second, Dr. Bacher. Then the Rebel Tour started in the 1980s. You, uh, we had those situations having uh, have taking place in the country, but you put a number of development programs and coaching clinics in place to grow the game in the poorer areas of the country. I want to ask you, how were these received in communities, especially where soccer was the main sport? How did they take to cricket? And how much success did you have in the early years in terms of implementing these programs? Well, look, look, the Rebel Tour took place. I was part of it. It's a long reason why. I've never denied my involvement. That's it. Number two, that in 1986, for the first time in my life, I got uh, felt uncertain about the future of this country. Mm. And then I just said, listen, I can't just do nothing. Try. So we started for the first time ever in 1986 a development program at the Alka Stadium Soweto. And you won't believe it, the first Saturday morning, there were a thousand young kids. Wow. They, they kept on coming. And I remember phoning Mervyn King, the famous judge. He was a good friend of mine. And I said, Mervyn, I think there's something here that has enormous potential, but we need to finance it. So I sat down with Mervyn, and he, you know, he was the captain of the industry, and we had a lot of breakfasts, lunches with captains of the industry, we raised a million rand. And that's how that program started. It evolved. It went around the country. It didn't go to every township, and that was impossible. Mm. But that was the start of the transformation, uh, you know, in what would happen to South Africa. Look, it's taken a long time. You know, Mackay and Kinney was our first gym person, the kid who came out of that program. I mean, when I went to interview him where he was born, just outside King Williamstown, yes. 
he tells me when he was 14, I mean, there was a coaching clinic where he came there. Uh, he didn't know anything about cricket. He came in his sister's sandals. <laughs> and after two boys, balls, um, Raymond Boy phoned me. He, he's still today uh, the cricket development manager in Borne. Great guy. Right. And he said to me, Dr. Bucko, I found gold. Two, after two deliveries, he was 14. Fantastic. And then we sent him to King Williamstown to one of the big schools there. And then he got 390 test wickets. But when I interviewed him for Super Sports some time ago, I went to see where he grew up. Mm. And he assured me, Doc, nothing's changed. My first 40 years in my life, this is where I lived. And the lucky part about it is that he went to uh, the school and he was a boarder. He couldn't speak English. And his roommate was an Afrikaans kid who came from the farm but could speak Gaza. Right. And that started off his process. I mean, 390 test wickets. Mm. That has got to be one of the most unbelievable achievements in the history of South African sport when you go back and see where he came from. Absolutely. Uh, I want to take you a bit further on, and together with Steve Tretter, who of course became a, a very close friend of yours, you managed to get South Africa reinstated, readmitted to the ICC, leading to that hastily arranged India tour in 1991, and of course the inaugural readmission test in Barbados in 1992. That was a, a fantastic achievement at the time, given what was going on in the country. Look, going to India, uh, this is 1991, and one must give credit to Tabi Berkey mm. because he always said, and although he was the foreign minister of the ANC in exile, he always said in sport, if it's unification, one body, it's non-racial, we will support him internationally. And you know, um, democracy only came in 1994. But in 1991, he saw what was happening cricket and he gave the go-ahead to go to India. It was unbelievable. I mean, the airplane that flew into India was the first ever South African airplane that went into India. We went to Calcutta. They anticipated there was 100,000 people lining the streets to welcome South Africa to India. Mm. Wow. But that, that credit must go to Tarbun Brecky. He kept his word. And uh, I'm sure we didn't let him down. <laughs> you definitely did not. Another thing you were involved in the early days, of course, which some people might not know about, is the, the first ever cricket review system. Just explain to us how, how you got involved with that, what gave you the idea, and how that came about. Oh, Michael, it's, uh, I'm trying to think back. It's about <laughs> 1991. We're back in world cricket. I go to the ITC meeting. And I'm supposed to fly back on a Saturday night. It's right. So I thought I'd stay over Sunday night, watch the cricket, and I got to the airport. And they had TV. And there was a controversial run-out decision. And I saw the replay where the umpires had made a horrendous decision. They gave somebody in... He was out by miles. And I got onto the plane and my mind started to go. <laughs> and 
And I remember I came back to South Africa uh, and I phoned Mike Dumain. Yes. He was great. And I called him. I said, listen, Mike, there's something wrong here. So between the two of us, we evolved the first ever process where you could refer to the third umpire for a decision. But there's more to it. So we now got India and South Africa. And the first test match is in Durban. Mm-hmm. And I called Azraddin, uh, the manager, and Clive Lloyd, who was the ICC court manager. And I said, listen, I want us to do the following. And they said, you, you're bad. We've got to get permission from our board. I said, listen to me. This is where his credit's going. Mm. So I got hold of Clive Lloyd, who's a great friend of mine, and still is. And he lent on them. And these two people agreed without permission from their board. I mean, it's unheard of. Mm. And so we had the first game in Durban. I think John T. Rhodes, I think Sachin Dilga was the first person to be run out by this new innovation. Would that be right? That's correct, yes. Okay. So we came to the second test match at Johannesburg. And the umpire was the famous West Indian umpire. Help me, what is his name? Steve Bucknell. Yeah. Steve Bucknell. And he went, he went public. I'm not using this innovation. And we said, fine. Uh-huh. But what happened on the first day? John T. Rhodes, he was batting. I mean, he was run out by 10 miles. He was given not out. He scored 76. The next morning, Steve Bucker phoned me and said, Dr. Bucker, <laughs> I think we need a press conference. Yes. And I got Clive Lloyd there, and he said, listen, folks, we're the cricket. I was wrong. This is the way forward. Right. And the rest is history, so to speak. So much has developed in, in the game since then. You spoke earlier, Dr. Bacher, about Makai Antini and how proud you are of the way he developed and the icon he became in South African cricket. It must thrill you greatly deep down to see players like KG Rabada, Temba Bavuma these days and others playing for the country on merit without any quota systems needing to be in place, just playing because of the talent that they have and because they're the best in those positions. Look, um, Kahiki Rabada, I interviewed, who did I interview Dalstein? Mm-hmm. He said to me, it's about two years ago, he will prove to be one of the greatest false bowlers this country has produced. But I have a problem. And you know, I still know what's going on. In the 90s, the development program came into the black communities, Indian communities, colored by passionate South Africans who wanted to spread the game, mm-hmm. who had the advantages of apartheid, but didn't want it not to go to these new people. Uh, and, and it was a, it was probably the, moment, the most memorable year, um, 10 years of my life in cricket. Mm-hmm. Inkius Patel, Patel, my son David, uh, many others. Uh, they, they were fantastic. It's with regret I say today that I'm told, and I hope my information is correct, that that passion, that hunger, that drive is gone. Wow. Hmm. 
Hmm. Okay. Um, interesting way to move into our next segment. We're chatting to Dr. Ali Bacha, and I want to touch on the current state of world cricket, especially test match cricket, just briefly with you straight after this. The Autobiography, paging through stories of your favorite athletes. Chatting to Dr. Ali Bacher. Uh, Dr. Bacher, the, the, the state of Test Match Cricket at the moment, the big three control the game, India, England and Australia. They pretty it's, much pull the strings completely. It's a disaster. It's a disgrace. I know that you deep down have uh, are very, very passionate about the situation. It leaves South Africa and not long ago we're number one in the world holding the mace. Nowadays we're waiting nine months before the next Test Match takes place. We've, we're fighting with West Indies who are such a great Test Match nation, New Zealand, Pakistan, those sort of nations competing almost for little bits of the pie. How, how do we rectify the situation? What is, what is the way forward now? Look, uh, there's no question. Those three are controlling world cricket. All the money goes mainly to those three teams where they pay each other. It's five test matches, four test matches, TV income. Look, I can assure you that I'm past it, but I'll tell you, if I was there 10 years ago, uh, there would have been a rebellion. Mm. You, you cannot allow countries like Pakistan, who produce some of the world's greatest ever cricketers, like Imran Khan, the West Indies, the three Ws, mm-hmm. Lala, and you go on and on, and you've, you marginalize them. That's, that is wrong. I mean, I, to give you an expression of where I was coming from, from you know, I ran the 2003 World Cup, but I was also chairman of the ICC Development Program to spread the game. Yes. I think, I think one event gave me more, probably more pleasure than anything else that the semi-finals, through a lot of hard work by a lot of great administrators, Kenya got into the semi-finals. Exactly. Uh, it's wrong. It's totally wrong. And nothing will stop me from criticizing those three countries. But, I mean, the, the way forward, it's not going to change in a hurry unless something happens, unless, as you say, there is a rebellion. Have, have those countries who are sort of left out of the, of the bigger picture, have they got the fight within them to maybe start something uh, new? I don't, I don't think so, unfortunately. So we're left with whatever scraps we can get, which... Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's disgraceful. I mean, I mean, this country, over the last 30 years, have produced some of the the greatest cricketers in this world has ever produced. Mm. I interviewed Steve Wall in London. I asked him about uh, um, Colors. You know what he said to me? He's one of the greatest cricketers of all time. I said, come on, Steve. One of the greatest cricketers of all time. You go to India, Amy DeVille is a legend. Yes. You look at uh, some of the other cricketers, Sean Pollock. He's a legend. He's all-round exploits on the world of cricket. It's unbelievable. We had a period where we were producing greats and greats and greats. Uh, is that an era over? I hope not, but we've got problems. Our problems is our batting. Yes. Our batting is fine. We've got some very good fast bowlers. Worry about our batting. You know, a good test team in world cricket, uh, you need um, your first... Six batsmen all be to have the capacity to score a hundred. We don't have that anymore. 
Right. And, and I mean, a lot of our talent from this country has ended up playing test cricket, for example, for New Zealand. Many of our players play have played in England. We've got uh, Labushain, formerly Labuskachni, playing in Australia. Many of our players who really could have made their names here have gone off to greener pastures elsewhere. So I suppose it's yeah, just... Yeah, but, I, but I, I don't want to be too pessimistic because mm-hmm. uh, I've got eight grandchildren and three of them played good cricket at high school yes. uh, around the country, and I watched a lot of them cricket in the last two, three years. The standard of cricket at high school today in South Africa is unbelievable. Mm. I mean, it's been worked out that there are 35 high schools where the majority of our good cricketers come from. Nothing's changed. And I've seen a lot of these schools play. I tell you what, there's an unbelievable talent. Oh, yes, I watched Keane Edwards play since Sylvia's 18 months ago because uh, my wife's, uh, let's have a look, cousin is James Teague. Yes. His son is a batsman. He's now captain of the first team. Right. Uh, So I went to watch him play. He got 97, right? That's how good he is. But I saw a young black frost bowler. He was medium fast. I couldn't believe it. So I said to somebody, how old is he? They said, he's 15. Wow. I'm now told he's in the South African under 90. So listen, at that level, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Okay. Uh, That sounds really, uh, really good for the future of South African cricket. I want to ask you also about the the T20 leagues that are taking place around the world. Every five minutes is a new league being established. Is it good for the game in terms of getting more people involved in cricket, or is I it is no, it bad? I have, no, I have no interest in them. Okay, so so in terms of destroying so the, the bread and butter of the game, which is a test match cricket, the longer format of the game, do you think nowadays we're trying to squeeze in test matches in between all these T20 series that are taking place? So what what is your opinion about all of that? Uh, I don't like it. Okay. But that's the modern era. That's where the money is. That's where the sponsorship comes. I don't like it. The long-term future will go I think in 10 years' time, uh, 50 other cricket will be gone. Mm. I think in 10 years' time, you'll have some test matches. Uh, it'll be England and Australia always. Maybe uh, every Christmas year we'll have England into South Africa. Mm-hmm. But it's going to it's going to impact on test match cricket. But listen, that's how the world evolves and changes. We can't change it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm I, not one to watch a T20 cricket. I'm like Michael Holding. I was never brought up with it. I don't want yes. to be part of it. I, whatever skills I had was developed in a three, four day, five day game. Right. And then, Ali, just finally to round off your involvement these days with the game, do you keep an eye on what's happening, particularly in Test match cricket around the world? Or is it something better left to the past as far as you're concerned? Oh, look, I don't get involved. I've had my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I left running South Africa in 2003, I said to myself, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to phone anybody telling me what to do. And I believe I kept my word. But look, a lot of people still come to my house, we conference, we talk about cricket. But a direct involvement, look, I'm 81 this year. I've had my time. But I watch it. 
I am concerned, and and let's have my concern uh, doesn't have substance to it. Dr. Ali Bacher, we could go on. There's so many more topics to explore, but I'd like to thank you so much for your time, for speaking forthrightly, as you always do, and for your attitude, for everything you've done for South African cricket and world cricket, and for coming on the show and just talking so openly about various aspects of the game that you've been involved in. It's been a great pleasure to chat to you. Thank you so, so much for your time, and hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. Thanks, Michael. My pleasure.